Welcome to Pop Culture Confessions, a podcast where we fix our greatest movie mistakes. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined by Amanda. Let's get down to business. And Hannah. To defeat the Huns. <laughs> the Huns? Question mark? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> so when we're not defending ancient China from the Hun invasion, we are talking about movies that one of us or more has missed. They're the type of movie that when you say that you've missed them, you get a reaction because these are movies that are usually near and dear to people's hearts. <gasps> what do you mean you haven't seen that movie? <laughs> Yeah, usually they hold a special place maybe in their childhood or when they grew up, uh, and people tend to have a real strong reaction when you haven't seen these movies. Mm -hmm. So last week we talked about Amanda's pop culture confession, Boogie Nights, and I made a confession of my own. So I have never seen Mulan. (gasps) I saw the trailer for the Disney remake of it, and it looks so dope. It looks so good. I want to see the original. I didn't see the original when it came out because I was at an age where I didn't want to watch animated Disney movies. And it was a girl-centric movie. And I didn't want to watch a movie, a girl movie. Even though she is the most badass, like, oh my Disney gosh. girl heroine. Yeah. Pretty much of all of them. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to find that out. I don't know. But at the time... I'm so excited. I didn't want to see it. I'm desperately trying not to burst into song right now, you guys. I know. I don't know any songs from this movie. None of them. None of them? You don't know I'll Make a Man Out of You? Let's get down to business (laughs) to defeat the Huns. (laughs) Okay, okay. Really, the only thing I know is like there's a scene of them kind of like practicing in like a courtyard. Like I've seen that. That's, yep. Mm -hmm. Do you know the basic, like, structure of the story? Like, So I, it's obviously set in China. Uh She's a soldier of some sorts who Mm -hmm. is, like, trying to, like, avenge her family's honor. Honestly, most of what I know about this movie is from the trailers for the remake. That's what I know about the movie. Okay. Okay. So you may have gotten a an incorrect impression of what the tone and sort of spirit of the... I mean, the spirit's the same, but there's a lot of... The, the tone of the new one, the trailer looks amazing, but it looks like a very different style of movie than the original was, like a much more mm-hmm. um, hardcore kind of war movie than the original was. Because that looks like it had some, some real good wushu wire work in it. So I don't know if the animated movie has the equivalent or not, but really what I know about is it's girl impact empowerment movie about fighting (laughs) and i wasn't interested in that kind of movie when this came out i don't know what year this came out 99 Mm. maybe it was no it was like 96 maybe Mm, that seems kind of early 98 yeah Yeah, and i I just didn't really want to see girl movies girl movie and animation like i kind of looked down on those um at the time Oh, okay. Like, Disney movies were fine for kids, right? Mm. Just kind of like where I was at, the mindset I was in when this movie came out. And I think that that's a mistake. (laughs) I think Disney movies can be (laughs) a lot better than that. Animation, especially. Especially the golden age of the 80s and 90s of Disney animation, Mm -hmm. which this I feel like is sort of the tail end of. It's sort of like winding down before they get to their mostly CGI era. But yeah, this, this is still, I would consider, firmly part of the canon of golden age Disney. Disney. Let me look at the poster and see if there's anything I can tell from the poster beyond what I... Okay, so the art style kind of reminds me of those clay statues. The Terracotta Warriors. Yes. Soldiers, yeah. That they found in the, the yes. Terracotta Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they... 
That kind of reminds me of that. This looks very, like I said, she looks like she's supposed to be like this like badass warrior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really tell me <laughs> plot-wise much of anything that's going on. Except that she has a horse. <laughs> well, and the horse doesn't, I feel like that's a talking the, horse. The horse is going to talk and sing and dance. Maybe that sings and dances. Because <laughs> he he's got a look. All right. you've, you've, he's getting some serious eye in this. You've got your riding mm-hmm. horses okay. and then you've got your talking horses. This looks like a talking horse. And apparently you guys seem to really uh, like the music in this. So the music is so good. Something to look forward okay. to. And Hannah, is this as much beloved to you as it is to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, warrior women, that's, that's my jam. Yeah. Yeah, like I think we all can agree that that's what it's, that's the big plot part is the warrior thing. But there's more to it than that. Okay. So if we're going to see this movie from 98, we need to get in our time machine to travel to a time period where we've seen right, right. this movie. So Hannah, can you can you still pilot this thing? All right. You guys ready? <laughs> let's use fireworks. <laughs> let's turbo blast it. Let's get out some, oh, let's get out some firecrackers. All right. Here we are. Oh, wait. Is Eddie Murphy in this movie? So I figured a good way to start this would be with a plot summary so we have a good framework to go from. According to IMDb, to save her father from death in the army, a young maiden secretly goes in his place and becomes one of China's greatest heroines in the process. So I I think that's pretty accurate. Seems to cover the basic plot of the movie. Uh It leaves out the fact that she also feels like encumbered by the expectations of gender Mm -hmm. that have been put on her in her society. And like, there's a lot of nuance there that other motivations for why she did what she did. But, uh, yeah. 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 Sure. Well, I mean, later on, she's like, I think I just did this for myself. I don't think I really did it for my father. (laughs) Right. She does have that moment of self-reflection there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe her father is like the motivating force, but not the real motivation. Mm -hmm. Like it's the inciting incident, but she's deeply unsatisfied with her life as it is. Yeah. That she's restricted by uh, her 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 gender and wants wants to bust out. Yep. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that this movie, because it's set in a time and place that's so bound by tradition and honor, that it ends up really being kind of a celebration of the unconventional and the power of mm-hmm. being different. Mm-hmm. Yep. That that setting and time really let that message come through. Yeah. There was a moment in the movie, and we can talk about more probably in the problematic zone, but I have loved I'll Make a Man Out of You, the song for forever. Mm-hmm. And watching it this time with a critical eye I was a little uncomfortable with like the whole you know my general comments about masculinity every time it comes up but <laughs> yeah the way that it reprises later on in the movie at the very end where it's you get they don't sing it again but it kind of like you get the music again when they're dra- when they're in drag yes <laughs> it was like oh okay <laughs> that's such a delightful little subversion oh, yeah. yeah of that like there's lots of ways to be a man and there's lots of ways to be honorable uh so Ryan you your very first time watching Mulan. Yes. Please don't break my heart. What did you think? <laughs> so I hadn't seen this because I discounted it as like a girl's movie. And at the time this came out, I didn't want to see girl's mm-hmm. movies. 
Yeah. But this was really good. I really liked this. I thought this for a Disney movie was this kind of weird blend of Saturday morning cartoon lightheartedness and Uh real dark in places. Extreme darkness. But it still has that G rating. Did you notice that? Because some of the darkness is implied, it's not shown. Yeah. There's a lot more innuendo in this also. Yes. <laughs> that I think they're able to sneak by because if you're a kid, you don't understand when, uh, like when she's like bathing, right? And all the soldiers uh, come up, they're like, well, there are a couple things they're going to notice. Right. Like, there's just lines <laughs> and- like that that you're like, okay. <laughs> and Yao just straight up showing off his dick. Yeah. Like, look at yeah. me. Look I'm at the this. king of the mountain. Yeah. Well, and some of the other dark stuff, like the... The messenger scene, which that oh, could yeah. have been straight out of Game of Thrones. Like, <laughs> I forgot yeah. how dark that was. That was dark, yeah. How many people does it take to deliver a message? One, as he draws his bow, and then it cuts away. It cuts it's away. very creepy. Uh, and then a lot of Disney movies kind of wink at death or have the death like occur off screen. Like a lot of people in Disney movies are orphans and things like that. But here, mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, most death does occur off screen, but there are thousands of people that die in scenes in yes. these movies, you know, in this movie. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of death by being buried by snow, which is right? a pretty horrible way to go too. Yeah, right. But it's not graphic. I think that's one of the better things that Mulan does. You were talking about how it brings up like the song multiple times. It'll set something up and then it'll have a payoff and the way they do that is really good like i like in the song about her getting like married at the matchmaker right Mm -hmm. they talk about like how you need to strike a good match right and then her like moment where she saves everyone is by lighting that that rocket by striking a match i thought that was kind of a cool except the match was mushu yeah (laughs) yeah she (laughs) tries to strike the flint or whatever and it doesn't work and then so she grabs her dragon lighter yeah and i also liked we've talked um kind of about how both comedy and action require kind of like escalation of scenes yeah and Mm -hmm. the way they have like the huns or like mongols enter the scenes here are really good examples of that like that opening scene where it's like one grappling hook comes up over the wall and then there Mm -hmm. are like hundreds of grappling hooks yeah the way they roll them out is really really good and then you have the same thing on that ridge line of the snow where like the one yes. hun is there and then there's a whole wave of them really visually striking and they show off the late 90s digital crowd technology that they had yep. and they were all about using <laughs> that they in this and then like hunchback of notre dame they use this yeah Mm -hmm. to like make a giant group of people they used it a couple times in this movie yeah i thought it was really there were parts that are really visually striking in this movie and they do escalation of tension really well Mm -hmm. i i just i really found it to be very enjoyable there are some things i didn't like that much about it but overall i thought that this was very good like this deserves a place in that about four year period where disney was just making hit after hit after hit you know like this this deserves to be in the the disney renaissance yeah uh, little mermaid yeah the Lion King, Aladdin, like it, Beauty and it the Beast, stands yeah. shoulder to shoulder Beauty with and the Beast, yeah. I don't think it's as good as any of those other movies except maybe Little Mermaid, but it's it's very good. Yeah. Really? I think it's better than Little Mermaid. I think it's on about the same level. I don't think it's better than Lion King. I don't think it's better than Aladdin, um, but it's better than a lot of other movies. It's been so long since I've seen Lion King and I haven't seen the new one that I, I may have forgotten. We just walked out of the li- the new Lion King about an hour ago. <laughs> Actually, it's been a while since I've seen Aladdin, too. So did you enjoy Hamlet with lions? <laughs> did I enjoy the new Lion King? <laughs> yes, Hamlet with lions. No. Ooh. No, I did not. Oh, wow. <laughs> but the children that were there did, and really... Good. 
that's kind of the circle of life, right? That this is really for them, not me. <laughs> yeah. So, it's you know. a shame, though. In like 15 years, we'll talk about the new Lion King yes. as a confession that one of us hasn't seen. But <laughs> We'll go through all the live action Disney remakes. I'll hold, I'll hold yeah. off on it. <laughs> so, uh, Hannah, what was the rewatch like for you? Um, I, oh, I hate to say it. I like it a little bit less than I liked it the past couple of times that I watched it. I think really? the last time I watched it was about five or six years ago. And then watching this with a critical eye, I enjoyed a lot of it. Don't get me wrong. It's still like up there. I'm definitely, you know, going to enjoy it again. It's just like, it doesn't quite get up there in terms of the great Disney movies for me. Like, I think it's Mm. important and cool, but you know, I had some problems with it. Mm. Okay. So I have Make a Man Out of You stuck in my head. Donny Osmond. Very good. <laughs> the rest of the music. Not so great. The ma- what? I, don't know. I kind of agree with you. Well, there's not a lot of it. There's only like four songs. Yeah. But Reflection is a, is a classic for me. Yeah, that's true. That one started Christina Aguil- Aguilera's uh, career. I found most of this music to be subpar at best. Yeah. What? Oh my God. I don't think there was really a song that I liked in this whole movie i'll make a man of you is is one of the most beloved disney songs period yeah it's okay it's okay it's the okayest song in the movie no (laughs) that reflection song is very like mid-90s generic pop like it doesn't Mm. really i don't know it doesn't really speak to me i didn't like it that much and there's the bring honor to us all matchmaker song and then the oh girl Girl we're fighting for fighting for and then oh do not forget the iconic 98 degrees closing credits song true to your heart oh true to your heart with stevie wonder yes with stevie wonder that surprised (laughs) me i was like wait a second is that Uh stevie wonder and who is that 98 degrees oh so that's something yeah, that they all did that 98 I actually... of them were there all 98 all members 98 of 98 degrees, of were there. degrees. <laughs> i think for me if you had to pick the worst things in the movie it's probably the music i think is not as good as most Ugh, of the movies that hurts me yeah. yeah i agree i know i'm just telling you i don't think it's it's all that great it's not horrible i mean i've it's heard not, worse yeah, songs no. certainly in movies but it's just not when you hear disney you expect the level the music to be if not great at least catchy and this i felt was very i don't know soulless in a way i just i didn't like it very much i also think that the two tones of the movie don't work that great together where you have very serious and then yes. very it is a little bit of tone tonal whiplash definitely which they are totally going to have a problem with that in the new live action remake which it's from the trailer it looks like they're going hard into no mushu, Realism no and- singing mm-hmm. no silliness right. or at least limited silliness i think they've stated in media somewhere that they're going they're adhering more to the actual mulan legend from china yeah yeah the epic poem yeah the epic poem Mulan. Yeah. Sounds like less of a remake of the 90s movie and more of a just different historical retelling of the same like history. Like reimagining. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. the cutesy stuff, you know, well, you want to go to the problematic zone? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> when I was hearing Eddie Murphy as Mushu, I really just kept thinking of Donkey from Shrek, which I think he's <laughs> fantastic in that role. And in this one. So funny. Well, he did this uh. before he was Donkey. Too much like they were trying to recapture the genie. Yeah, yeah this that was, was pre-Shrek. Exactly. Yeah. This was pre-Shrek. So. Eddie Murphy cracked me the hell up when I was a kid. I remember the, the cow mm. stuff was, I, I still chuckled a little at it. But oh, yeah. dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. <laughs> Just, the, the, the fact that he repeatedly calls the horse a cow. I feel like they had such 
success with the genie with Robin Williams mm-hmm. that they were like, we need someone yes. who can bring that same kind of manic energy. Totally. And yeah. Eddie Murphy is really good at that, but I think he was going too close to like the genie from mm-hmm. Aladdin. There's always the either animal sidekick or humorous sidekick. Like in yeah. Beauty and the Beast, there's Lumiere and Cogsworth, and in Little Mermaid, there's Scuttle and Flounder, and even though they're not that funny, but it's just they, they <laughs> kind of went a little hard in the paint on this one with hiring a real comedian and uh, <laughs> giving him yeah. so many like joke jokes. And they gave him a lot of freedom in this. Like he didn't really record his sound yeah. at the studio. He basically has like a, a basement uh, recording session mm. and he just did it all day. Yeah. So he's doing a lot of like freeform just being Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I wonder how much is improvised mm. or if any, I don't know. Well, I think they wanted to encourage it like they, with the, the way they animated around Robin Williams with the genie they did for Mushu in this as well. Okay, so. mm. okay. That makes sense. So the dishonor on your cow was probably improvised. <laughs> <laughs> That made me chuckle. That was pretty funny, you know? And it was weird, like, the spirit, like, dragons that Eddie Murphy was dealing with. They really reminded me a lot of Hercules. Yes. Like, the 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 gods gods and Hercules. Yeah. Well, especially since the muses in Hercules were gospel singers. Yeah, true. Well, and also the art style is similarly, it's not the same, but they both have, like, that stylized look to them. uh, And it was around the same time period. Like, Hercules has that thing where I noticed, like, at one point there's smoke that clears in Mulan, like when they're crossing the street, when there's like that big accident that the grandmother causes and the smoke clears and there's like stylized swirls within the smoke that sort of appear. I think Hercules has the same, same thing happen. The grandmother made me laugh every time she was on screen though. I thought she was fantastic. The thirsty grandmother? She was great. Thirsty Jima always cracks me up. She was really Yeah, funny. that voice actress. What's her name? She's amazing. I I love her. And June Foray. Yeah. Mm. She's amazing. Yeah. And I think the action scenes in here are very, very good. They're a little striking when you go against what I kind of describe as like the Saturday morning cartoon, both look and tone of the rest of the movie. And then mm-hmm. you'll have Whoa. some really intense, awesome, like either training montages or fight scenes or something. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is like a whole different gear that they're in. Yeah. Fabulous three week montage but she never stabs anybody <laughs> no she doesn't she gets sliced nope. by Shan Yu, but we don't really see it and then she uses the sword to do some cool tricks but she doesn't actually like she doesn't sword him at any point right. Yeah, I think that would be too yeah. too violent for your hero to to do in a Disney movie. Yeah. yeah although I wonder how much of that they're gonna because you can't. Oh no. Some of that stuff you can't recreate in the live action one without. I mean, realistically, I imagine there's gonna be a lot of sword fighting where it's just swords crashing into each other. Right. Just chink, chink, chink. Sounds. Well, in the original yeah. story, yeah. she's gone for like ten or twelve years, and she also mm. in most of the versions she leaves with her family's blessing, and she's been trained in martial arts, so she's already a badass, and she's just like, look. I'm just uh. gonna go, Dad. And she has a little brother, which is weird because there is a character named Little Brother in this, but it's the dog, right? It's the dog, <laughs> right? Which the dog made me laugh too. And I don't know if oh, all of cute. this is like me actually laughing or if it's just residual holdover goodwill from my childhood. When I thought it was funny, I was like a young teen, I guess, when this came out. I wasn't like mm-hmm. a, ch- a child, child, so it wasn't like I had a baby sense of humor. But mm-hmm. I still found it funny. I found like the yeah, dog. The dog was stuff pretty was funny. funny. <laughs> The dog and the chickens. Yeah, that's, that's some funny. classic slapstick right there. Her long-suffering father and the dog. The dog just like 
causing chaos. Just praying for her, like, please. (laughs) You had mentioned the problematic parts of this movie. It's interesting to me that, so that you have Mulan being forced to dress as a man, which I don't really think is like a transgender parallel. No, no, no. Because she's not identifying as a man. She's impersonating a man. She's, yeah. Completely different. She is, if anything, gender non-conforming, not, I don't think she's trans. I I would agree with that. Yeah. And I think they do, and they avoid something in the movie where they don't have the male heroine have confused feelings about Mulan as like a male soldier. Oh, thank God. Like he doesn't, it's only when he realizes that she's a woman that then he starts to like her, right? So they avoid that whole... They have a couple of moments, but I I don't think it's necessarily read 100% as like, oh, attraction. No. As opposed to just like connection. Bonding, yeah. The part that I didn't like that I stuck wrong in my craw was when they impersonate the concubines to get into... Because to me, that feels like the joke is they're dressed yep. as women. Yep. Right? It's in the, the man in the dress movie, trope. Okay. That's, mm. yes, I guess. That I found not to age well. It's a trap man in a dress. Like, that's like, yeah, that's a horrible trance. Yeah. yeah okay. I, and it I almost had no point to it. That, well, the point was that they needed to sneak in, and that was yeah. their way of sneaking in. Yes, I get but, that stereotype being a, or that, like, trope being problematic, but contrasted with I'll Make a Man Out of You, the song playing at the same time, yeah. something about that, like, seemed positive. So, let's talk about that, because mm-hmm. I did not see anything problematic with I'll Make a Man Out of You, but you mentioned it as something you found to be problematic, so lay out your, your reasoning for me. Because on my first watch through, well, I mean, I think it's talking about s- stereotypes of masculinity, but the whole movie... Just like the that. line, did they send me daughters when I asked for sons? Like, as though daughters are lesser. Like, it's well, it, it's reflective of the way that the, cult- yeah. the culture yeah. thinks about that. So it's, I mean, it's not supposed to be. I, well, it, I'm conflicted about it because on the one hand, I love the song. And on the other hand, it's mm-hmm. fairly toxic message. It's definitely an insult sure. that gets thrown out at boys and men. He's like, oh, you run right. like a girl. Right. If, you, a girl. if you're not up to snuff of whatever standard we deem manly, you're then feminine and you're not a real man, which is negative. Okay, I see what you're saying. But then that's why I thought that contrasting that with when they dress and drag at the end was good because it sort of deconstructed that message of like, oh, not being manly. Any kind of femininity makes you weak, makes you not good enough. Mm-hmm. But the, there's other ways of being manly and being like, I don't know. Like they, they didn't seem ashamed about it. They didn't seem they didn't seem like, oh, I'm so I'm grossed out by the fact that I have to dress and drag. I'm like, I don't know. It, the reaction of the guards... <laughs> That they saw that, like the the whole yeah. like oh, concubines, that like that was really shitty. But ugly concubines, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm conflicted about about that. There's a lot there. Another contrast that I liked about it is in the whole training montage. They had the thing where like this represents strength. This represents like I think it's strength and honor. The two like heavy strength and discipline to them. Discipline and strength. And they wrap them together and use it to climb up the rope. And then when they're dressed as the concubines, they have their little sash thing right. that they mm-hmm. use. So I think that's kind of showing like masculine and feminine strengths, I think is what they're trying to show with that. Just another way that this movie, I think, is good at paralleling things. I think it does very well at that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're trying to deconstruct something and whether or not they succeed is debatable, but I think they're trying. (laughs) They're trying it. We've had this problem before where we're watching something basically 20 years after it came out. And at the time, it's really progressive. I think people in at the time period would watch this and think this was a very like positive message for 
girls and just society in general. And now we're looking at it, we're saying, well, actually, there's some things that are slightly problematic about it now. And there's also some jokes that get made that like, uh, your granddaughter grew up to be a crossdresser and like yeah. Mr. Man or whatever, or Ms. Man mm-hmm. or whatever. Like all that right. stuff is a little bit of a 90s sensibility about sensibility about gender. Mm-hmm. Very but much yeah, so. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that those parts have not aged no. very well. Yeah. yeah, they wouldn't, de- they definitely wouldn't do that today. Because I think the difference between those two is they're punching down when they're dressed mm-hmm. as women, when the men are dressed yeah. as women. They're not really doing that with Mulan herself dressed yep. as a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we jumped into the problematic zone quicker than <laughs> than intended. Yeah. So we talked about the tonal stuff and the gender stuff. Was that everything that was like your dislike list? I think that was my dislike list. I mean, it boils down to those two things. I wasn't crazy about the art style for most yeah. of those. Yeah. Really? I felt it was not yeah. quite up. Oh, I think it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it felt very cartoony to me. They went to China for three weeks to sketch things and absorb the culture. And then they come back and it's just, it's not as iconic iconic as the Hercules art style. Like you look at that and you go, oh, that is definitely, you know, from the side of a pottery. Whereas this is like, it's simplified, but it's just not quite there. Yeah, I just, I didn't hate it, but I think that that was a weak point for me is it felt, it felt like cheap animation for a lot of really? it. Like, it felt to me like there are some movies that are great movies that just happen to be animated. And then this felt like a cartoon for mm-hmm. most of it that had some parts that were not like which is, again, back to that tonal part. The part where they're trying to be mm-hmm. funny and more, like, lighthearted mm-hmm. feel very much like a cartoon. Like, a good cartoon, but still, essentially, a cartoon intended for children. Mm-hmm. Which, it's a Disney movie, so yeah, it is for kids. But then there are parts that transcend that that are more serious that could be in any movie. And I think the two together don't work. The stuff that stuck out to me on the rewatch that, in the dislike pile, like, mostly for me, it was a, a like pile. It was a, it mm-hmm. actually, like, got me emotionally in ways that it hadn't before, like, unexpectedly. I'd, I'd I'm like 75, 25, 75 like, 25 dislike, you know? Pretty good. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed that was on the dislike pile for the first time is the plot. But a lot of the stuff that happens that changes Mulan's experience is stuff that her sidekicks fuck up. Yeah. There are these huge things that happen mm-hmm. that like create her, like her, the perception that her compatriots have of her. The biggest one being that they set off the thing that then Mulan gets blamed for that then mm-hmm. gets a bunch of people killed. They like get attacked. That gives away their position. That it just yeah. seemed kind of cheap. Is like, why mm-hmm. is that the thing? These people, these, these little... Do you think it removes yeah. their agency? These little fantastical creatures that apparently no one else can see, I guess. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this kind of edges back into like, I think this part of the movie is bad as opposed to problematic. So... Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm not talking about... I'm just talking about right. bad. Okay. So what about George Takei and Pat Morita being in a movie about Chinese literature? Well... Yeah. <laughs> like, at least they're Asian... I mean, I think it's the 90s, which is not exactly yeah. an excuse. Well, there's some actors that aren't even playing Asian characters here that aren't even Asian. Well, yeah. The but villain. like, um, is it Harvey, yeah, and Harvey Firestein. Firestein, who does the, the kind of like strong, gruff guy? I can't think of his name. Like, he originally didn't want to do the movie. Yes, Yao. Mm-hmm. Which Harvey Firestein is, is yeah. amazing, and his voice well, is yeah. awesome for the character. But yeah, it's he's not Asian. 
I just kind of cringe when they do that as if people from that, you know, ethnicity are, are uh, interchangeable. But um, kind of all lumped together is the same thing. Yeah. Or close right. enough. I did look it up and they originally wanted to go with a European American person for Mulan. And then they heard Ming-Na Wen's narration over the top of Joy Luck Club and went, oh, let's have her be the voice <laughs> of Mulan. So the speaking voice is an actual, yes. you know, Chinese American person. And B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong. Mm-hmm. The other lead. And like, James Hong. The singing voice is Leah Salonga, who is a, a very famous Broadway actress. Yes. Has amazing yeah. voice, but I don't. she's not Chinese either. She's Filipina. Yeah, they do that a lot. And then B.D. Wong was Donny Osmond. The singing voice was Donny Osmond. Yeah, the speaking voice was... Was B.D. Wong, yeah. But apparently Donny Osmond did try to study some of B.D. Wong's inflections, so it sounded pretty Mm. good. Like, I remember being really surprised that it wasn't the same act voice person, so... Yeah, Harvey Firestein originally like turned down the role because he didn't want to take a role from an Asian actor in what he thought should be an Asian cast. And when he heard how many people in it were actually Asian, then he was basically okay with doing it. But that was his concern originally too. I also think it's kind of cool when they were recording the actress who plays Mulan doing her lines, they noticed she kept like touching her hair a lot and moving it around. So you'll see Mulan does that in a lot of her scenes too. Yeah. They're modeling like what the actress is doing, mm-hmm. which I think gives her like some humanity to her. Yeah, I noticed that on this watch she touches her hair a lot. I was like, aw. <laughs> well, her hair is such a big part of her character. Yes, yeah. And right. she runs her fingers through her hair when she's anxious. It being up versus yeah. it being down almost is like Superman in his glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of that 90s trope? Let's take the, the hair out of the ponytail and take her glasses off and now she's hot. Yeah, she shakes her hair and then suddenly All she's All of a sudden hot. it goes into slow motion and Guns N' Roses <laughs> oh, starts playing. Yeah. Yeah. She's all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think overall, I think it was pretty good. I think I would put this in the top rank of Disney movies, probably at the bottom of the top rank. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to order them, this would be still in that top tier. The top third. Top third. Probably, you know, top 25%, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Did you appreciate some of the stuff they did at the end with the big spectacular crowd scenes and like from a cinematography perspective with the dragon? It is so creepy knowing if you know in advance that that's where the bad guys are hiding. The fact that the dragon's face in the background is like so right there behind a lot of the shots is like ultra creepy. I'm kind of glad you brought up one of my favorite subjects here. I'm just like fishing for things that you would approve of. Like cinematography, that's a thing. Yeah, thanks for throwing me that softball there. So one of the reasons why like the Disney Renaissance movies basically look so much more dynamic is they have the ability to move the camera, quote unquote, around more Mm -hmm. in scenes so things don't have to be as static. And the camera in this movie moves a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. which adds this sense of dynamic motion. Yep. You can get close-ups on faces. You can have wide shots of large crowds. That advance in technology, the way you can tell stories lets you mm-hmm. tell different types of stories. And that is just a huge technological advancement. Seeing her reflection in the sword all of those times, yeah, that was definitely amazing. That really popped. Yeah. I mean, you don't quite have the matrix rotation around a, a scene. You don't have that exact 
exactly in the movie, but this camera is very active when it moves around. Like, there's definitely a fluid sense of motion Mm -hmm. as it's moving around. And just, this sounds silly, but, like, the very idea in animation that you can have a point-of-view camera that can show you scenes from different angles and different depths, that's not in a lot of early animation. No. And when you can do that, your movies become much more relatable Mm -hmm. and powerful. Yeah, it's a movie that happens to be animated as opposed to, it's a cartoon! (laughs) Right, which this movie is kind of in that awkward period where sometimes they'll reach for it and sometimes it's just a cartoon. Yeah, Yeah. especially on display at the end, I think the camera work like swoops over the crowd and I guess in the battle Mm -hmm. scenes too. Yeah, and there's a lot of motion of them like sliding around from like building to building and just a lot of motion. The action moves from like level to level. Up on the roof with Shanyu. Yes. Shanyu, who by the way is the most theatrical bitch in the game. Like he is so (laughs) over the top with everything he does. He just wants to like do a mic drop with every every line. Like, calm down, Shanyu. I thought it was a really good kind of villain. Villain introductions are really important. Yes. And when you have that thing where he's talking about that doll that he's holding. Yeah. You know, he's like, we should return her doll to her. You're like, oh, shit. Just so over the top. He's almost campy in how theatrical everything he does is. Like, showing up and then, like, cackling from rooftops. Yeah. And I remember this movie as being more violent than it actually is. Like, on the rewatch, I'm like, oh, they cut away from that. Like, I Mm -hmm. totally remember in my head him like stabbing that guy or them like shooting the guy in the the back with the arrow and having him fall that's the great trick is your mind fills in what the camera cuts away from so you can imply it and have it in people's mind but when you go to like censors you're like what are you talking about there's no blood in this movie mm-hmm. no well there is with mulan getting actually cut but she gets cut by a villain like you can get things through the censors and still have a movie that i think should probably be like a pg movie like i wouldn't say it should be pg-13 it's not that extreme no but there's could be some things that are very scary for kids in here definitely and a lot of sexual innuendo <laughs> yes that i chuckled and laughed at like i thought it was very clever the way i did it but i could see like mommy what does that mean happening in this movie that you may not want to necessarily <laughs> deal with at that moment <laughs> So I guess depending on how perceptive your kids are. I think they would understand that bodies are different. They're, they're not talking about sex, really. Like, they're just talking about seeing naked people. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, nobody's nobody's off boning. No. Nope. No. They do talk about, oh, I wish I could get a girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're talking about, like, her sense of style. Right. None of that is explicit. Yeah. Right. I did laugh at the joke, like, I hope I never say a naked man. And it's like the parade of dicks, like, running by like, her. Oh, <laughs> like, no. A stampede of naked men. <laughs> like, they, they know how to set things up in this movie really well. Yeah. In the TV show Once Upon a Time, by the way, that line, I, I don't know if that line was the inspiration of it. I never want to see a naked man again, but they made Mulan a lesbian. <laughs> Which, if you're going by her statement, then that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so traumatized by being in the army that I'm only into women now. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting that they made Sean Yu, like, physically alien looking. Yes. The whites of his eyes were dark and then he, he had has yellow. yellow eyes. He's got fangs. Like he looks like a like vampire. Yes. Yes. Yeah. None of the other guys that he was with had those same. I mean, they all, they were all a little bit grayish. Mm-hmm. Their skin tone wasn't as like warm. Yes. But he's the only one that they just made look inhuman. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice. Yes, he definitely does. You can look at him and be like, that's a bad guy. 
<laughs> yeah. I was not a huge fan of that bird either. The hawk? Yeah, I didn't like it in the movie. I found that to be kind of annoying. Yeah, I guess it was kind of a nod to like the Mongolian eagle hunters or whatever. Yeah, like the falcons. Yeah. It could be worse. He could have talked. That was the weird thing. The bird is obviously intelligent. Right. But it doesn't talk, you know, so it's like, what is going on here? Because other animals talk in this movie, so it's not like you can't have a talking yeah. animal. Well, no, other animals don't talk. Only Mushu talks and Mushu's not an animal. Mushu is a spirit guardian or whatever. That's true. The cricket doesn't actually talk. Neither does the horse or the cow. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm a little more okay with the falcon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There has to be an evil animal because there's good animals. Right. We're in a world where animals are sentient but cannot communicate with humans. Which is really upsetting that people eat meat in that world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that horse has kind of the same thing that the uh, falcon has going on where it's got a lot of personality for an animal. Yes. Well, and the, the cricket is straight up making decisions and like expressing emotions and being a person. Oh yeah. Yeah, the cricket is totally a person. Yeah, she's like the Jiminy Cricket. Minus the singing. What do you mean you're not a lucky cricket? (laughs) (laughs) And what are you, a sheep? When they're all revealing their secrets. Like the uh, escalation of comedy. I was thinking about the cricket in the matchmaker scene of that kind of escalation of things just going rapidly wrong where like he's in the tea treating it like it's a hot tub, right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she does all these things to try and prevent that and then the lady falls down and gets like her butt on fire. <laughs> it was very slapstick. That to me was really well done comedy. Yeah. Very well done slapstick. Yeah. Yes. Like that escalation of comedy and escalation of action is important and they do it well. When she's trying to impress basically the Aunt Lydia of ancient China. <laughs> yeah. Because she's complicit, right? She's complicit in the system. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I have in real life, I have an aunt named Lydia and so it's always very strange for me when I'm watching Handmaid's Tale to hear them talk about Aunt Lydia. It took me a while to adjust. <laughs> Hopefully your aunt Lydia's not like that. <laughs> yeah, she's a very nice person. <laughs> What else? We talked about Horny Jima. Mulan looks too European was something that actually came up at the time. It's part of the reason why oh, really? the movie was not successful in China. For one thing, they changed the original legend, which is beloved. Mm. And then if you look at her eyes and compare her to the rest of the characters, she has more European-shaped eyes. They're just at a different angle. Like, I'm not going to say the S word, but... Oh. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Her eyes are round, as one of my friends actually said to me one time. (laughs) Yeah, I was working with a young person and she is Asian and she was complaining about Mulan a little bit and she's like, it's the only Asian princess but her eyes are round! I don't know why they call her a princess though. She's not. Yeah, she's really not. It's just the Disney word for female hero protagonist. Basically. Yeah, because her love interest, I don't know if he's royalty or not or just high-ranking military. He's just the son of a general. But they don't marry in the movie. No. Yeah, he's not even at all royalty. I kind of like the dig that the counselor got in at him. Like, I earned my job. (laughs) Like, my daddy didn't get me this job. I mean, nepotism is real. Which sort of makes him look like a meanie mo, but in real life, that was actually pretty cool that there was some of it a meritocracy. You're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're just an (laughs) asshole. That guy had to take a test and do really good at his job to get that job. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever his job was, snarking over people's shoulders and writing stuff down. Snarky Jafar-esque figure. Yeah, scribe slash uh, heckler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Ryan, are you glad you watched it or is that almost two hours you'll never get back? I'm very glad I watched it. This was a... 
a good movie and it made me want to see the remake, which was my original prod to want to see this. I want to see it even more now. Yes, I'm yeah. so stoked for the remake. I really enjoyed it. I'm excited for the remake. I'm hoping it's going to be very different because I want to see the original legend yeah. made into a movie because that's really cool. There's a lot of people who are very upset that the comedy stuff is theoretically being stripped out. <sighs> But they didn't... It would be weird if they tried to shoehorn it in. If you're going to do a shot-for-shot recreation, why bother? Which is what The Lion King apparently is. No, it is, but then they make some real odd choices. I haven't seen it yet. They make this decision to have the animals be very realistic, which kind of limits their emotional range that they can display. Oh, yeah. It's weird. Some of the supernatural stuff in the movie, you know, the spirits of your ancestors looking down on you, like all that stuff, they talk about it, but they don't actually have it happen until the very end, and it doesn't really go with the whole tone of the movie. Oh, so... Mufasa doesn't talk to him from the sky? No, he does, but there's no image in the sky. It's just like a voiceover. Uh, but the animals can't move their mouths the right way, so the whole movie's a voiceover, basically. Oh, that's weird. It's just weird. Yeah, I saw a comparison someone put together side by side of Simba, baby Simba's reaction to when Mufasa dies, his like horrified face. Yeah. They do the same shot, basically, right. for both, and it's so much more emotional in the animated one. Right, yeah. because you can have the eyes get bigger. You can right. have tears, like lions don't cry but anyway i'm glad i watched the movie i think it was well done i think it does a lot of movie craft things really really well kind of brought down by the fact that i think there's still this impression by the people who greenlit movies like not necessarily the creative people involved in the movie that it's a cartoon you know so it suffers a little bit there but i think it also elevates it a little bit it's right in that weird cusp where it's trying to be more, but then has to revert to Saturday morning cartoon for some of it. I think it was well worth watching. Hannah? I'm glad I watched it. I mean, it's still, I still really like the movie. It's just not as much one of my favorite Disney movies anymore, I guess I could say. What about you? Oh, I'm super glad I watched it again. I hadn't even seen it within probably the last year or two, I think. Oh, okay. But even that was enough. And I guess it's just always an, a different experience when you're watching it for the podcast. I don't know. Like, it got me. Like, I cried at the end when the whole country is bowing down to her when before she was garbage to them. That's a great crowd shot. It hit me. It always was, like, a good emotional impact. But, like, this was... I don't know. Maybe it's just because now we live in a time where women are routinely treated like garbage. I guess that was always the case. (laughs) But it just seems more open and out in the air now. Um, It seemed like there was a shift in a different direction for a while. But, yeah, it hit me where I live. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. So that was... Mulan. If you like what you heard, go give us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at popcultureconfessions.com and follow us on Twitter at at PCCCast. We'll even give you a shout out on air if you tweet or review us. If you have any confessions, movie confessions, that you want to make to us, Send them to popcultureconfessions at gmail.com. Many thanks to Wax Logic for the use of their sweet groove. So, you guys, I um, actually came across one of these in the wild the other day. I was having a conversation with people, and they were talking about it and joking the jokes. And I was like, hey, yeah, I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> Out in the shame zone of real life. <laughs> Record scratch. You know, that happened. Proof of concept. <laughs> Just a classic, perfect, platonic ideal of a PCC yes. moment. <laughs> it's the perfect unformed chair that is every yes. chair. <laughs> I think I remember this movie as being a lot of people's first dirty, 
kind of more grown-up movie that they watched. Mm. And, um, hmm. you know, there's just lots of hijinks, and it's very zany. Um, oh. And rather okay. memorable imagery associated with the name of the movie. A few things are coming okay. to mind. That movie being... Tune in next episode to hear Hannah's pop culture confession. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Maybe. 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 Maybe.